Perfect. Thank you. So, hi. I work with HMI development at Volvo Cars. And even though I have a Swedish accent, I work here in Copenhagen in our UX design hub located in Sydhan. And today, I will tell you about how we are making a fantastic HMI for the autonomous driving cars of the future. So if you don't know, HMI stands for Human Machine Interface, or a User Interface, or a UI in short. And for a car, this basically means the interaction between the car and the driver using different types of displays, buttons, stalks, and pedals. And an autonomous driving car is another way of saying a self-driving car. So now you might be thinking, what do the people who made this know about creating a great user interface? <laughs> or a self-driving car for that matter? Well, a lot has happened at Volvo since our boxy designs of the 80s and 90s. And even though I still think this is an awesome looking car, we have come quite a long way since. And actually, our brand new UI might be the most modern and innovative user interface find in any car today. We call it Census. Thank you. 
So that was a short video about how we created the new census UI. We first showed this a couple of months back at the ceremony when we received the award for the most innovative car HMI. The first car will you find our new census UI is this fantastic looking beast parked outside. It's called the XC90 and it's based on an entirely new platform we built from the ground up called SPA. SPA means Scalable Product Architecture and this will also be the base for all our next generation cars including our self-driving ones. And actually, the first self-driving cars from Volvo are going to be modified XC90s. But before I start talking about self-driving cars, I'll just take a couple of minutes to paint a picture of the world we're designing for by highlighting a couple of relevant trends. So it probably comes as no surprise to you that people will continue to move into the cities and cities will continue to grow. In 1950, 746 million were living in urban areas. Today, that's closer to 4 billion. In the early 1980s, the city Shenzhen, just outside Hong Kong, was a sleepy little village with a population of 30,000. Today, it has exceeded 12 million and is one of 46 so-called megacities with a population of over 10 million. Air Quality Index, or AQI, is a number used to measure pollution in the air. This morning's AQI in Copenhagen was 48, and below 50 is considered good air and not hazardous, so you can be safe. But between two and 300, that's very unhealthy. And everything above 300 is considered hazardous. During a really smoggy day in January of 2013, Beijing clocked in with an AQI of 755. Of course, that was a really bad day, but Beijing is not the only city which suffers from poor air quality. Every year, 1.25 million people drive, die in traffic accidents. And if nothing is done, that will be close to 2 million by 2020. I know all of you, I guess, have smartphones. And some of you are probably tweeting or checking your Instagram feeds as we speak. And today, consumers are also starting to expect that their cars come equipped with an internet connection and access to the applications they're used to from their smartphones. It's inevitable that we will run out of oil. But it's also necessary from an ecological point that we transition to more sustainable fuel sources. Those were some of the aspects we need to take into consideration when designing a car of tomorrow. So I know Volvo is not the biggest car brand in Denmark. But if there's one thing I think you all know about Volvo is that it's synonymous with safety. This is a quote from Assar Gabrielsson and Gustav Larsson, the founders of Volvo. And the last part, the part about safety, still holds true today, and it's a big part of the Volvo culture. The first part, though, the cars are driven by people part. Well, I mean, you can't really blame him for not seeing more than 100 years into the future. So our vision for 2020 is that nobody 
should be killed or seriously injured in a Volvo car. And our long-term vision is that new Volvos shouldn't crash. Now, I'm going to try a little experiment. I have not tried this before, so I don't know how it's going to work out, but I have a little idea. So can all of you who has a driver's license, please, please hold up your hands. Now, keep your hands raised if you consider yourself to be at least better than the average driver. <laughs> so, okay, you can take your hands down now. I should have been seeing half the, <laughs> half the hands I originally saw. So, either we have a severe st statistical deviation in here, or it might be that some of you are overestimating your driving skills. But you're not alone in this. It's proven that 80% think they drive better than average. And somewhere here lies our challenge of meeting our visions. More than 90% of all road accidents today are caused by human error. People are speeding, they're driving while intoxicated, they're changing lanes without signaling. In short, crashes happen because of poor driving. So, if we can remove the possibility of human error, we can make a safer car. So safety is the main reason why Volvo is investigating, in, investing in self-driving cars. And the other main reason is time. So this is the reality in many cities today. And a few of you might be able to relate to the frustration of sitting still in congested traffic. The average commuter in Shanghai spent almost 50 minutes getting to work. And traffic is then moving along at speeds of about 10 to 20 kilometers an hour. We know that more than 50% of all driving in key Volvo markets take place at speeds below 40 kilometers an hour. So, by making a self-driving car, we can convert what used to be lost time to quality time. Because when you don't have to focus on driving anymore, you can start to prioritize other things which are more meaningful to you. For instance, you might want to send an SMS to someone you care about. Or you might want to read an article about the latest Volvo. But most probably, you just do what you always do when you've got some extra time on your hand, and you look at kittens on YouTube. <laughs> so, now I told you, about why we are making a self-driving car. Here comes the how. In 2017, Volvo cars will put 100 self-driving cars on the streets of Gothenburg in Sweden with real customers in the driver's seat. The unique Drive Me project is a part of Volvo cars' journey towards a crash-free future. Volvo has now designed a complete system solution. Multiple radars, cameras, a laser, and ultrasonic sensors monitor the complete 360 view of the surroundings. A network of computers processes the information, high-performance GPS, and a cloud-based 3D digital map continuously updated with real-time changes in the traffic environment. If anything fails, there is a backup solution. 
just like in an aeroplane. This includes vital components such as computers, sensors, steering and brakes. On the road, the car is able to handle even the most complicated scenarios. The technology is so reliable that the driver can focus on something else without having to pay attention to the traffic. Just like good drivers, potentially critical situations are approached with sensible caution. And in an emergency, the car reacts faster than most humans. When autonomous driving is no longer available due to exceptional weather situations, technical malfunction, or reaching the end of the route, the driver is prompted to take over again. If the driver doesn't take over in time, the car will bring itself to a safe stop. With the Drive Me project, Volvo enters uncharted territory in the field of self-driving cars. Taking the final step to driving safely in real traffic with ordinary people behind the wheel has never been done before. And for drivers, the everyday commute transforms from lost time to quality time, open for work or pleasure. The choice is entirely yours. So Volvo's self-driving car initiative is called Drive Me. And it's a cooperation between Volvo, the Swedish authorities, and some other actors. And it's really quite a unique initiative. What's so special about Drive Me is that we're taking actual consumers and putting them behind the wheel in real traffic. There will be no trained engineers there to babysit the system. So it's all about the driver and the car. And I tell you, it's com something completely different to do this compared to, compared to having a concept car drive around the test track by itself. So Drive Me is really the first research project to address autonomous driving from a more holistic point of view. And there are many areas we will investigate. So Volvo's take on an autonomous driving car is to claim back time and reduce accidents. But Drive Me will also look at more societal and economical benefits. In theory, traffic flow can be made a lot more efficient if controlled from the cloud. For instance, if braking, steering and lane change are controlled, we can optimize flow. However, we have no idea how many cars are actually needed for these to be in a real effect. And the same can be said about infrastructure. Potentially, autonomous driving can change how we design infrastructure. They can be narrower lanes or special roads for autonomous driving cars. A very important aspect is the environmental one. Once the car is aware of its surroundings, it can start to adjust speed and, dyna and dynamically change routing according to traffic, topology, curves and traffic lights. And this would optimize time and reduce fuel consumption. A human driver can maybe achieve some of that today, but in practice, it's not really done. What's going to be very interesting 
is to see how people react when being driven by a self-driving car. Will they start to feel anxious or will they begin to trust the system and focus on other things? DriveMe will also look at how surrounding traffic interacts with the self-driving car. A potential problem for a self-driving car is other drivers because they might not be driving according to laws and regulations. And the final area is the legal aspects. Because, of course, we will not put a self-driving car on the road without having the legal aspects in place. So that's why it's really good that we have the right authorities on board. So on paper, these benefits can be amazing and potentially groundbreaking. But we don't know if they will work in practice. So that's why we have started Drive Me. We want to test with real cars on real roads with real users. The first 100 cars, autonomous driving will only be available on certain certifi uh, certified roads. How this will be in the future is difficult to say. These certified roads are roads we have measured in detail, so we know about lane markers, road signs and traffic signs, etc. We will also monitor traffic flow and road work. The first roads to be certified is this 50-kilometer ring roads with connecting roads around the city of Gothenburg. So if, in case you didn't know, Volvo's headquarters is in Gothenburg, and it's located on the island of Hissingen up there on the left. So if you follow this road to the left, it will get you to the Volvo facilities. We'll also have a cloud solution in place so we can dis disable autonomous driving if there is a traffic accident or heavy weather or another event which would require the user to be in manual control. So now it's time to get a little greasy because there's not just manual drive and autonomous drive and an autonomous driving car can mean a lot of different things. There are five of what we call levels of automation and they each have its own unique flavor and they need to be distinguishable from each other. There are several ways to define these levels of automation. The one most commonly used is the US authority is from the US Authority National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, or as we say in the business, NHTSA. The main purpose of having these definitions is to identify who executes the driving and who monitors. So just bear with me for a couple of minutes because I'm getting, going to get a little bit technical, but it's needed for, in order for you to understand the area of autonomous driving cars. Level zero, here, the user has full and sole control of the car. This means he controls steering, braking, throttle. Of course, it goes without saying that for level zero, the user is responsible or the driver is responsible for driving. Level one is where most cars are today. Level one includes one or more specific control functions and they work independently of each other. It's mainly oriented around safety. An example is a system Volvo has called City Safety. This system will automatically brake the car before an accident will take place. In level one, the driver has overall control of the car. And even though some of these systems can assist the driver in normal traffic situations or even crash imminent situations, the responsibility still lies with the driver. 
Level two includes two, at least two primary control functions working together to relieve the driver of control of these functions. An example is adaptive cruise control together with lane centering. Adaptive cruise control is like uh, regular cruise control, which you probably know, but it also keeps the distance to the car in front. And lane centering, well, yeah, it keeps the car in the center of the lane. These two together is something we involve called a, uh, a pilot assist system, or a PA, and can actually be found in the car outside. And this will actually drive the car for you if you're queuing at speeds below 50 kilometers an hour. But the driver is still responsible for monitoring the road and is, is expected to be able to take control at a short notice. The main difference between level one and level two is that in level two, the driver can be physically in, disengaged from driving by not having his hands on the steering wheel or a foot on the pedal. So level three, this is where it starts to get really interesting. So level three is what we're talking about in driving project. And here the driver can hover, hand over full control of the driving to the car. And it's now the car's responsibility to monitor the roads and changes in traffic. The driver is expected to be available for occasional control, but only after a convenient passback period. The main difference between level two and level three is that level three is designed so that the driver does not need to monitor the road. And it's the car who is responsible. So level four, that's like the holy grail of autonomous driving. This is mainly about A to B transportation. Here you hand over full control of the car, uh, full control of driving to the car, and the car will drive it by itself all the way to your final destination. A prerequisite is that you provide the car with the destination, but after that, you're not expected to be take any part of driving. This also applies when talking about cell, uh, driverless cars. So we're still a very long way from automation in level four, but will for the foreseeable future live in a world which combines automation of level zero to three. And this is the complicated part because users will switch in and out of different levels of automation. And it needs to be clear who's responsible, responsible for driving and monitoring. So that was the technical part. So now I'm going to go into something which is probably a bit more familiar with, to you. And that's the design process. For us, it always starts with the user. Since 2011, we have a strategy called Designed Around You, and that's all about people. We need to understand our consumers in order to provide them with a premium experience, which is human-oriented, while also linking to our heritage of building safe cars. On the left is Kevin. He's our American early adopter. And in the middle is Yehong. He represents the new Chinese customer. And on the right, Helena. She's our Swedish comfort seeker. These are not real people. Well, yeah, the people on the photos, they are real, but we have given them fictional biographies. To involve users at an early phase in the, in the design process, we use personas. I'm sure many of you here have already worked with personas, and there are probably as many of you favoring the use of them as they are opposing them. A persona is basically a way to communicate research about people. It's not a real person, but it represents a group of people in the real world. And the purpose 
is to give you as a designer specific individual characteristics to focus on rather than a group of people or lots of data. When we have created these personas, we use both quantitative data and in-person interviews. And for the Autonomous Drive project, we have collected a massive amount of data from users all over the world to find out about their behavior and what they expect from a self-driving car. Personas are mainly useful in the early phase of a project, but for, user, um, for test and validation, we always use real users. Together person with personas, we also create user journeys. They highlight key interaction points which are relevant to autonomous drive. You can say that the user journey is like an interpretation of an overall story seen from a user's point of view. We also use other types of data in an early design phase. The DriveMe project is focused on the everyday commute. And even though these first 100 cars will mainly drive in, C in Sweden, in the city, in the area around Gothenburg, we have analyzed how commute situations look in different parts of the world. Because Volvo is a global brand, and we need to make sure that our design solutions does not only apply to the Swedish market. What's important when analyzing the commute journey for us is to identify how much time will people spend driving in an autonomous driving mode. And what do the mode, mode uh, transitions look when switching in and out of this level of automations I talked, to, talked about earlier? So, personas, user journeys, hard data. They are very, all very important for the design process. But what's equally important is that they help us in Volvo to communicate a common understanding about whom we are designing for and why we make our design decisions. Because in a, in a big corporation, there are as many wills as there are people, and we need to try to put our egos aside and all aim for the same goal. So, now we have a really solid base to start from. We know about the world we are designing for. We know about the brand we represent. We know about the project goals. We know about our users. And we also have some understanding of the technical possibilities and limitations we have to work with. So now, based on this, we can start to formulate some design drivers. And I'm going to let a very short little clip, which is pretty famous, introduce our first design driver. Why I'm driving. <laughs> wow. So that was Mickey's trailer, 1938. And I think it's pretty impressive that Disney already eight years ago could foresee mode confusion, even though Goofy was driving a Model T Ford. So as I touched upon earlier, drivers will jump in and out of different levels of automation. And it's important that we know which mode is active. From a driver's perspective, for instance, a level two automation can be experienced as very similar to a level three. In both cases, the car is handling steering, braking, and throttle. 
but the responsibilities are very different. And the driver might be in for a very big surprise if the controls are handed back to him suddenly without the expected passback because he was think thinking that he was in level three. So designing to avoid mode confusion is one of the most important aspects we need to take into consideration when creating a UI for a self-driving car. To introduce the second design driver, I will use some assistance from Will Smith. What does this action signify? As you entered, when you looked at the other human, what does it mean? It's a sign of trust. It's a human thing. You wouldn't understand. My father tried to teach me human emotions. They are difficult. So it appears that uh, Detective Spooner and Sonny are having some trust issues. And when in an autonomous driving car, we don't want any trust issues. We need to design a system that a user can trust. So trust can be a lot of things, but from a UI point of view, it's mainly about communicating what happens around the car and why it's behaving the way it is. So we cannot assume trust from the beginning, but we have to earn it. And we do that by communicating just the right amount of information so the user can feel safe. But we also don't want the user to feel the need to continuously have to monitor the system, because after all, the end goal is to free up time for other things. We also have to acknowledge that as the user becomes more familiar with being in an autonomous drive, the need for information might, be, might change. Once the system has earned the user's trust, we can start to introduce other types of information or methods to consume content. So unfortunately, I don't have a good little clip to introduce the third design driver. But that one is about predictability. From a UI perspective, Predictability in an autonomous driving car is about communicating how the car will drive, what will happen, and when. It's about providing reliable information about the autonomous drive road, and especially when autonomous driving is about to come to an end. It can also be about providing information about which road route the car will take or to prepare the user for what will happen after autonomous driving has ended. So, now I told you where we're coming from, where we're going, and how we're going to get there. You've been giving a look into our design process, and I hope you find it useful and applicable to whatever you might be working with. I'm going to leave you with a serious cliffhanger, because <laughs> unfortunately, I can't show you any detailed designs today. I can tell you, though, that tomorrow I will be at our main proving ground in Hellered in the deep woods outside Gothenburg to perform the first user tests on our brand new autonomous driving UI. And I'm super excited about that. I can also tell you that later this week we will release a new public video which will give a glimpse into what Volvo has planned for autonomous driving in the future. So during lunch I will open up the car. So feel free to pop in, have a look, and play around with the census UI. Thank you. See you on the road.